Yes, welcome back to For and Against. Great to have you with us for our second show. We're happy to be off the mark, so now we can start playing a few shots. Uh, I'm Paul Roach, and I'm joined here by the lockdown Stephen Riley. Steve, g'day, how are you? Hey, Paul, how are you the doing? Hard to pin down Simon Johnson. John, how are you going? G'day, Richie. And always across what's going down, David Bear Gill. How are you going, Gilly? Very well, thanks, Paul. Excellent. If you're joining us for the first time, we look at the big issues in sport off the field of play. And we've certainly got a few biggies coming up. We're going to look at bubbles of the sporting kind, how you set one up and the various goings-on therein. We're also going to look at what defines a sport. Prompted by a savage and unprovoked attack on Formula One by a couple of my colleagues during our production meeting a couple of days ago. Entirely justified. Looking forward to getting our teeth into that. Uh, There's a few things to cover in the shootout dedicated to anyone with a well-developed sense of smell. And, of course, we'll be finishing with red card, yellow card, where we celebrate off-field indiscretions some of which may involve bubbles. Now, we're on the socials. Jono, we promised uh, last show that we'd get our act together in this regard. Mm. So on Twitter, we're at for and against underscore. There's a little underscore at the end to differentiate ourselves from the other, some defunct address in the US. So just type for and against, and you'll get there eventually. You'll have a look for the logo. Uh, We actually got an email address. And befitting the demographic of this panel, it's a Hotmail address. Hotmail. Yeah, for and against hotmail.com. <laughs> Old school, I jo- love it. Jono, you're in charge of the uh, Instagram. Instagram, you can find us at for and against, and the Facebook page will be set up very shortly. So keep an eye, <laughs> keep an eye out on that. Very shortly, within the next 24 to 48 hours. Failed it, his, imminently. Failed imminently. Failed in his KPIs. <laughs> Don't forget to hashtag RCYC for any red card, yellow cards you spot. We'll be uh, checking them before each show to see if you've come up with any pearlers. But for now, let's get into it. Now, I'm not sure if you've noticed, but the Australian men's cricket team has been allowed out of the country. It's the first Australian sporting team to have been allowed to, having been given the all-clear to tour England and what would uh, I would have thought would otherwise perhaps be an unremarkable hit-and-giggle tour. I think it's half a dozen games of 2020 and, and 50-50. Uh, but it's now the latest example of sport getting its biosecurity act together to allow play to happen, even if it's with no fans. Uh, John, I'm tempted to run a sweep on who'll be the first to breach. Yeah, look, I think Davey Warner would be under pressure in that respect. But um, <laughs> seeing the guys on the plane heading off to, to tour England made me think about COVID bubbles. I mean, the very concept of the word COVID bubble, what a world we live in six months ago. Can you imagine even thinking what that meant? Um, but how lucky is it that these guys get to travel overseas? Not only do they wear the baggy green cap, but they can out now actually leave the country. Got me thinking a little bit about comparing and contrasting how some different sports and different players around the world have handled this concept of the COVID bubble. So you've got the logistical side of things. Um, and I imagine the role of chief operations officer or COO <laughs> at most sports would be pretty busy at the moment. I don't think they'd be queuing up at JobKeeper to have their roles uh, dealt with. But think about the logistics involved. And if you look at the Ashes, that's quite an interesting one. So they all have to get uh, approval to go overseas. So there's visa issues with the government. Um, There's logistics, obviously, of getting them on a plane. So chartering a a plane to get 23 players over there via, I think, four or five stops. And then the... Four or five stops? Yeah. So they were going... Did you have a look? So they're going Sydney... Adelaide. Oh, they're just doing Perth. pickups. You're okay. doing pickups oh, along okay. the way. Fair enough. Oh, nice. Nice. I thought they were doing the old kangaroo route. You know, no. Jakarta, Colombo, Dubai, London. Okay, kind of a. So yeah, the, the poor guys. I'm sure they're all travelling. Probably the entire plane is decked out as business class. On Goodness. the upside, lots of time to beat that 53 can record. This is true. I wonder if Booney or Booney's record <laughs> would be broken. 
But yeah, interesting. I think the economics of it are pretty crucial, aren't they? Because ultimately we have to, to make it work. I don't think we make a hell of a lot of money out of this tour, but we've got to demonstrate that we're prepared to travel so that in six, 12 months' time, assuming COVID's still happening, mm. we can persuade the Poms to come out here. And then you 21, 22, summer of 21, 22? Yeah, so Ashes in Australia, I think, uh, next year. Good on Point of order, Your Honour. Uh, this trip that Australia's made to England is not an Ashes tour, like you called it. It is just a, a trip to play no, no, 50 no. in 20 Yeah, no, no, I understand that. But I, I guess point being, Riles, that we need to demonstrate some good faith here. We're only going over there for some hit and giggle, as, as Rochi said. So three... 50-50 games and um, some 20-over games as well. But in order to persuade them that it can be done, we've got to do it, and they'll come out here for the Ashes next time around. Yeah, all right. It's, it's a fair point. I think uh, I think I've uh, seen along the way that England value their season at somewhere around 250 million bucks. They've spent nearly $50 million on biosecurity for uh, this tour as well as the other countries uh, that are touring. So you can see the value at stake. So it's a good point. You know, why we're going is to play nice with Mother England. It's the quid pro quo, for, as John is saying, for the getting them to come over here. And, the, and there's also um, interesting to see how it plays out there. I was reading they're allowed to play golf. So when they're in the Southampton <laughs> bubble, the players, because they're all in the biosecurity bubble, they've set up so they can get some downtime. However... Is that part of the punishment or is that supposed to be a good thing? No, no. <laughs> part of the punishment, funny you should mention that, is they all have to make their own beds. <laughs> so you can't have maids or, or people cleaning the rooms. So um, they have to make their own beds, but they can play golf. So there's some upside there. Wow. Well, so they have to make their own beds. That uh, it would be great if they could, you know, Instagram photos of the beds. Because I think some of them would be okay at it. But I'm thinking some of the fast bowlers, maybe Davey Warner again, might really struggle in the bed making department. I think so. I think he'd be pretty well trained by Candice, though. I think he's probably a bit of a domestic god at heart. Under the thumb. Does yeah. what he's told. Does I, what he's told. I, I, yeah. I think so. Um, I... Um, what was I going to say? The, oh, the, the, it, was, it was interesting that they're going into this bubble. Uh, given uh, the Aussie cricket team were accused of being in a gilded bubble. I know. Post that, uh, the, the Sandpaper Gate, South Africa yeah. thing. The ethics involved. review, indeed. Yeah, indeed. But the From hum- one bubble to another. The human element of it is interesting as well. And, and it got me thinking a little bit about how do you compare how different sports are handling it around the world? Mm. So you've got the Aussies over there allowed to play golf. What are some different sports people in different bubbles around the world? Did you guys see what's happening in the NBA at the moment? Yes. Well, you know, broadly speaking, they're hunkered down in, is it Orlando? Disney One of the Disney World. properties? Disneyland, yeah. So World, I think. Disney, Disney World. World, sorry. So, they, um, so they're there for, I think it's a couple of months. Mm. Now, did you see one of the, the first things a lot of these players have done is to order in wine fridges oh, this is and the wine. cases and cases of wine. Because there's a, I didn't realise this, there's a whole bunch of very serious wine connoisseurs amongst the NBA fraternity. Is that right? And, you know, these poor guys, they're there, you know, earning a dollar, um, playing... Or 40 you know, million. <laughs> a, a, away from friends and family. They've got to drink poor some guys. nice wines. Yeah, I bet LeBron's not drinking cheap wine. He's got some good stuff coming down to Florida. Um, why are they drinking wine if they're playing sport? Well, cause I have in, a problem with this. So they're in the bubble, and I think yes. um, they're allowed they're to obviously sport. have a little bit of time off. So they're not playing every night, so no. heaven forbid that they'd be drinking the night before a game. Uh, mm. Surely that wouldn't be happening. But in their downtime, uh, I think there was a quote there that uh, Pelicans player Josh Hart, he got a wine fridge delivered along with a stash of Bordeaux and some Oregon Pinot Noir. Oh, marvellous. But he said, not the ones that shove fruit down your throat. 
Interesting. Doesn't sound like he's a Barossa. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> that doesn't address my question around why they're drinking alcohol as preferred. Roach, as if you if watch the last dance, this... and it'll shatter some illusions about basketball players, because the greatest of all time was quite regularly smoking a cigar not long yeah, before tip off. 30 years ago now? 20. Oh, I think it was even worse back then. Yeah, it was ago. a lot worse. Yeah, yeah. I think wine is um, the least of it. Riles, any other bubbles that have caught your eye? I mate? think. Uh, or indeed this one? Well, I was just going to say, I think Simon's made a point about the compare and contrast for this one. You were talking about breaking Booney's record, <laughs> you know, with beer, and the NBA has just blown you away. Yeah, well, that was all just, you know. Yeah, look. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I think um, I think what's interesting about the bubbles is that's at Walt Disney World. Uh, you know, American soccer is going to Walt Disney World as well. I think we're seeing sport for what it is again, which is a reality TV <laughs> show, and uh, they're now literally uh, going to the entertainment mecca of the world, putting themselves in a cage and acting all Russell Crowe like, and and standing in front of the world saying, "Are you not entertained?" <laughs> With standing in front of TV cameras. <laughs> Although the, the Australian version of the bubble or the bubble breaches is slightly more lowbrow, isn't it? You've got the uh, Broncos, and I think it was uh, Pangai Jr., rather than drinking fine Bordeaux wine or anything, he just decided to breach his bubble by going for a new fade at his local barbershop. So mm, the nice. Aussies don't quite do it as well, I don't uh-huh. know. But, but let's not be too, too critical. I, one, I think we've seen some great examples of sporting camaraderie through these various bubbles. And one that I saw, which was fantastic, was uh, on the Euro PGA Golf Tour. And that legend of the game, Miguel Angel Jimenez, was breaking the records for the most tournaments ever played. And ordinarily, this would have been a huge event and there would have been thousands of people lining the fairway to pay homage to to a man. I don't, don't know if you know the player, but he's it's like a huge Not cult well. figure Smoke um, cigars. in golf. Oh, okay. He's very well known for his cigars. Yeah. Loosely aware of him. Yeah. Very likable character. Um, so kind of sad that this happened in isolation with no spectators. Um, so the first round of the tournament where he broke the record, the last hole was a par three where you kind of hit over a lake onto a green and then he had to walk through a forest to, to get to the green. And between teeing the ball off and walking through the forest, all of the players who had finished their round earlier that day lined the fairway, all standing assiduously 1.5 metres apart, <laughs> and gave him um, a magnificent... Well, a golf, a golf clap. clap, but it was it was funny I'm because a bit emotional hearing this. this is, it, it this was is good. it was so um, intimate in a way that it wouldn't have been with random members mm. of the public. That it was really quite moving. And Miguel, I I don't think he ever would have cried in his entire life, but he was very close to it and very really? moved. And it was a nice moment. I, yeah. I, I had goosebumps <laughs> watching it, and I, I have goosebumps whenever I whenever I think about it. That's good bubble activity. I like it. Mm. Very good. You know, it's also interesting, you know, the, all the players claim to be six feet apart, but, you know, it was only four feet and then it got bigger and bigger and bigger and eventually that putt was, you know, ten feet apart. <laughs> no, sorry, that's different. This is yeah. a good point, Riles. The Yanks have to stand yeah. further apart than we do because six feet's bigger than one and a half metres. The Yanks just can't get the one and a half metres. So it's that true. had to be translated. Yeah. And Distancing that little margin for error. I suppose the average American's bigger as well. Trump will good be point. onto that. Maybe that's something to do with it. Um, so where does it all lead? This is all very well the here and now. Um, so, will this have some sort of evolutionary, revolutionary, seismic effect on how we watch or, or how they play sport? Roz, you're our resident futurist. What do you, what's your take on that? Well, I think it brings into question the whole idea of home and away. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, we're about to see the IPL head off to um, the United Arab Emirates, right, where they can sit in a they, – they can – play in one venue we've effectively seen the AFL mm. shift to one venue mm. maybe you know two if you like 
um, and the NBA is all being played in one venue, we're going to, well, we could see this evolve into purpose-built, um, you know, TV, online uh, presentation of all sports. Saves on costs, it maximises production value. Mm. It's not very romantic. Mm. I, I don't, I'm not saying I like it, but that might be where we're going. Mm. The but, economics make sense, don't they, in the current environment? We're all pausing deeply as our mind yeah. cogitates on this brave new I, world. I like that's Stephen. Let, no, less less junkets, though. Less junkets, yeah, less travel. Yeah, maybe that's I mean, my that's problem. A, a yeah. fundamental <laughs> issue generally right now. That whole vision's I'm a bit gloomy. I'm yeah. feeling a bit grim. I don't like it yeah. at all. Yeah. And maybe that's enough to ensure that it never happens. I hope not. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? All right. We'll, uh, we'll wait with bated breath to see where the brave new world takes us. Well, what a superb thing it is that Formula One has managed to create its own bubble, allowing the transcendental sensation of the pinnacle of motorsport to be piped into our living rooms for 2020. It's a bit of a shame we got stranded at the gate in Melbourne way back in mid-March, but at least we get to stay up late in cold winter Sundays to watch these gladiators of motorsport go round and round. I'm just snoring at the sound of it. <laughs> Love it. Oh, Love my it. goodness. Go on over to you lot. What's the problem with Formula One? pinnacle of motor sport are you kidding me <laughs> no. this is like watching nasa and tesla you know compete to see who can create the biggest engine lewis hamilton has been winning every race literally by the length of the straight you know overtaking has been lost literally? and i think the whole sensation of a sport is gone gone if it was ever there in the first place and Ultimately, this sport comes down to technology. If you had yeah. technology taken out of it mm. and it was just purely about the driver's skill, I could perhaps concede that we're talking about a sport here. But where is the athletic endeavour in this? Just because <laughs> Lewis Hamilton happens to be a fit guy, where is they the athletic endeavour? Every motorsport, ah, every motor race is a just, fit person. They're just driving a fast car around and it's boring. You have to have entertainment value for it to be a Says sport. Says who? Test it cricket so can be boring for four and a half days a week. Boring. Four and a half days of the game. When was the last time there was a decent passing manoeuvre? Was it boring. Daniel Ricciardo from eighth to seventh in guys, some look, nondescript race last when year? When you go and watch a race, come back and talk because you've got no idea what you're talking about. Because you were asking me when the last time there was overtaking because Do you tell. haven't seen it because you don't you don't watch it so but, but why, how can you have any authority in this conversation yeah and why why suddenly now just because lewis hamilton has won five out of six races so far this season oh, it's not like man. it's not like one driver or one team dominating formula one is anything new and and steven you expressed on a on a preparation call you were really upset about the fact that he's now threatening michael schumacher's record for the most wins and the most pole positions i think he's already broken that one but it's not as like it's not as if michael schumacher was driving the slowest car on the grid when he broke those records here here well, it's not... Hang on, oh, I want to hear from oh, nice point. Yeah, look, Schumacher is an interesting case in point because you know, the reason why you know, real sports fans actually decide to give him a, uh, a, le- a, a waiver and consider him a sporting hero is he became the best in the business when he wasn't in the best car. It's really interesting when a sport is so biased in the first place. Yeah, sure, he then got you know a, 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 a huge percentage of his wins with the best car, but it sort of defeats the purpose when you're just hanging out for the odd underdog story. Uh, isn't that the same with a lot of sports? We just had the Champions League final the other day between guess who, PSG and Bayern Munich. Surprise, surprise. Uh, is it, you know, this is a sport well, that's powered by money, yeah, right? No one knew who, who was going to win that. There's a, there's a, this is a sport that's powered by money, and it's not the only sport that's powered by money. So if you accept that that's how they do it, then there's going to be a certain skew 
towards those that have the money and the technical capability or expertise. Which has always been the point of Formula One. You Correct. Use, you use the word the pinnacle of motorsport, and it's not... Who says motorsport has to be about who the best driver is? Formula One has always been about engineering excellence. It's a team sport. It's a well, then, it's, then it's entertainment. It's not a sport because it's, it's powered by money, but... It, it's the technology on, itself. It's, what, what's that leap between... But why can't engineers compete at the same as sports people? Why does it have to be something... Because I think it's so dominated by the technology. And, well, it is. And that's what makes no one, it no one denies frustrating. That. Because if you don't have that technology, then you can't compete. Whereas most other sports, if not all other sports, if you have the natural ability, you will get there. Whereas if you don't have a fast car, you're not going to win the race. Well, you're, you're less likely to. Impossible to win the no, race. No, it's not impossible. How is... So you weren't, a, you weren't a supporter of the wind keel? The wind, that the no, wind kill? Really. I don't no. think sailing's a, huh? a particular... No, that wasn't, that wasn't the question. It wasn't you took the wind out of my sails. <laughs> it was, no, I think question. you've just added to, to our side of the ledger. The question wasn't right? about sailing. The question was about the wind keel. That's technological development. Should no, that not I, be allowed? I think it's a great example. The America's Cup, when it was everyone driving the same... Driving. driving sailing, the same 12-metre yacht, you know, it was competitive because you didn't know who was going to win. And then it got absolutely crazy and you ended up with catamarans against single hulled because they were playing a technological race and you know again we might as well have boeing compete against airbus and cover it in the fin review if we want something that has a, a sense of drama a sense of investment on the part of the fan I, I don't know that you can say formula one satisfies that anymore what he said well there's there's 500 million separate people <laughs> watched it last year across a cumulative cumulative audience around 1.9 billion so there's a couple of people out there that might disagree with you it's entertainment well for some people isn't that's what sport, sport is yeah. riles just talked about it as being a reality tv show which i don't disagree with that analogy that he raises of course sports entertainment that's why people go and watch it i, I don't find it entertaining well that doesn't mean people. it's not a sport no, no, I, I agree some people find so that's it a subjective position you take sure. and you're entitled but, but to let's that put view. it in entertainment but it's more than entertainment. Oh, just say, let's put it in the entertainment category. Let's call it American Idol and, you know, stick it in that now space. Now you the line. <laughs> and, and that's cool. It's, 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 it's not tennis, right? It's not cricket. It's not, and I, this is the one that's going to hurt you the most, Paul. It's not golf, right? Those are sports played by millions of people around the world. And when you see the best of the best, you know, who are... Um, best of a sport that is played by millions and millions of people that's when you ta start talking sport so there's a there's a participant uh there's a number of participants entry level criteria that's what you're saying can't be a sport if it doesn't have x amount of participants it's one of the factors i think is what riles is saying i'm interested in riles's long pause here stephen's also i was just I think what we should do is throw it to our many listeners on the socials and we might get a bit of a poll up and running. We Leave might. that for me when I get these socials up and running. <laughs> is F1 a sport or not? Watch out for us on uh, Instagram stories over the next few days. Of course it is. So, you going, Gilly? Well, you know, I, I'm just thinking about um, luge and bobsled in the Winter Olympics. So is it, you know, do, was it unfair and not a sport when the Russians had a bobsled that was just better designed than the American mm. or the East German bobsled? Thorpe in his flotation suit. Yes. Yeah. So it's, it ceased to be a sport at that point. It's just one of many factors. Well, I think that the complaints that came to play are absolutely spot on, that they took away from it being a sport. When it came down to an equipment advantage, they actually lessened the 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 
purity of the sport. So what about a footy team that's got, I mean, that's I, got I, more I, science in its, uh, in, in its nutrition, in its sports psychology? So there's an external technological slash scientific advantage that a footy team has uh, off, you know, behind the scenes. So they are suddenly at a, at, a, at a greater advantage than a team that doesn't have those facilities or access to that, those resources or what have you. Isn't it the same thing? You're always going to strive for an advantage in sport. Nah, com- nah that's, that's a really good example because that is about extending the limits of, of what humans can do, about what people can do. Someone sitting at home can actually imagine training, eating better, you know, and, and getting better in their outcomes and knowing that in a big sporting contest, the prep makes a difference to the outcome. People can relate well, to that. I think you're failing to re- think of the engineer, all the engineers out there in the world, Stephen, who sit at home going, wow, I can imagine myself designing a better front wing end plate. We've really picked a sore point here, Rose, <laughs> haven't we? It's, if you it's good to see yeah. Rachel defending his patch. I'll give, you, I'll give you A for effort there, Rachel. But, but it's not that they, you know, it's not like anybody can design any car they want and just build the biggest engine that's going to make a car that goes 1,000 kilometres around the track continuously because it's got such amazing traction control. They are designing within set rules and parameters. There's a formula. There's a formula. Mm. Um, and the, it, the engineers are as, m- as much a part of the team and as much a part of the sport I as the driver. I who think is that's their problem. I'm surprised. I just, I just don't, they don't get it, do they? I'm surprised and disappointed that you haven't used the best argument that would have been available oh, to your finished. disposal. Yeah, go on. Which is that we constantly and indeed are today talking about Formula One on a sports program. Oh, well, there you go. That's so such, a lawyer's, such a lawyer's argument. And <laughs> <laughs> even through some Latin at us. And look, uh, in the interest of time, can I, and, and hopefully to find some common ground, can I suggest you watch Formula 3? Formula 3, they are identical cars, more or less, so the, the, the machinery gets taken out of it. Uh, you're still generally to the same people at the top, including Oscar Piastri, an Australian, who I've said in the previous guys of this show will make Formula 1 in a couple of years, so you heard it here first, maybe second or third. He's coming second in the championship, and it's great racing, because it's fantastic racing. So have a, have a look at Formula 3, Riles, and um, you know, interested to hear your thoughts next show, but for the time being, Formula 1 remains a sport. <laughs> Uh, look, far be it from us to give yet even more fee, free publicity to Shane Warne. Fee publicity, that'd be ideal. Uh, and his newly released fragrance, SW23, uh, but it's impossible to resist, which is part of its genius. I've got to say, first I thought SW23, SW23. Look, you spent a fair bit of time in London. I wonder what the suburbs are in the postcode SW23, because I'm thinking Wimbledon's SW19, maybe somewhere out near... Gatwick has got some sort of special memory, but no, the postcode stop at SW20. It's his number, Richard. Ah, one day cricket his number. license plate. Yeah, because he fancies himself like Michael Jordan, MJ. Oh, who's also number 23. Yeah. Second appearance for MJ in the same show. Yeah. Good work. But um, have you had a look at the uh, the notes that accompany this fragrance? I, I did refresh me. Yeah, well, some refre- it is very refreshing. Yes, exactly. But there's a number of quotes, very hyperbolic, all of them. Um, but it says on the bottle, the refined yet bold bottle showcases the style of Shane himself. Wow. Featuring a sleek black body adorned with silver <laughs> accents. The perfect addition to any men's fragrance collection. Are we going to get some? We really got to get some, I think. Do we? Yeah. Did we put it on the uh, on Fawn the account. Against Accounts? Let's put it on the tab. Yeah, okay. <coughs> that is awesome and um, sounds very much like Cristiano Ronaldo's underwear. <laughs> <laughs> the CR7 US brand is oh. unique in that it merges the celebrity of world-renowned soccer player Cristiano Ronaldo 
with evolving styles, materials, and solid design. Solid. solid. Which I thought was an interesting description, solid design. Uh, look, I don't, I don't know any of these Johnny-come-latelys com- compared to Greg Norman. I still... Oh, here we um, go. <laughs> you know, the, the, the Swan Lager theme song, you know, they said you'd never make it, but <laughs> yeah, you finally yeah, came yeah, through. Enough, That's yeah, enough from yeah, me. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I've got a confession to make. I... Uh, have in the, sh- the little receptacle in the shower a Beckham signature hair and body wash wow. bottle. Wow. Yeah. Really? It's, I Victoria just, or David? Uh. Oh, no, David. Um, <laughs> oh, you, oh, sorry, you got me there, beauty. Um, it's just been in there for years. It's one of those things that some distant rello probably gave me for Christmas, and I'd sort of look through it. But I, t- uh-huh. but today, because I knew we were going to talk about you this. <laughs> no, no, I'm not wearing it. You can't, you tell. Um, yeah, I thought, wow, there you go. <laughs> and did you kind of, you, did you sample it? Can, would you, can you describe it? I reckon I try it once every six months. Yeah. I sort of notice and go, oh, I'll give that a whirl. Um, but for a moment, I thought, I wonder, is this, is this, David Beckham and so I looked at the website Beckham-Fragrances and sure enough that is David there's no two ways about it and I think on product endorsements Mm. it would be remiss of us not to mention Ricky Ponting and his new venture in making some wine so he's teamed up with Ben Riggs of Mr Riggs uh, fame so it's quite some quite serious Shiraz and Cabernet that are being made by Punter at the moment uh, the label is a very serious green looking label uh, which Mm. reminds you of the baggy green cap I think um, but yeah, I put in an order for Father's Day. I want some of the, I think it's called the Pinnacle McLaren Vale Shiraz and the Close of Play Pinot Noir. Close of Play. I knew there was a nice cricket little um, motif there. Yeah, you better order quick, Simon, because I understand that uh, it's going to be sold out to NBA players you know, any mm. second now. Yeah, no, yeah. second right? wine as well. Uh, I saw him doing a bit of research. Le- LeBron James apparently wants flogged Maccas. That's got to be a low point, doesn't it, for superstar status, superstar status. Yeah, I got that right. Uh, compared to you know quality of underlying product, Shaquille O'Neal did a, a line in vodka, yeah, which okay. was tastefully named Love Shack. <laughs> and I think um, Simon, I might send you the, the the photo of the bottles for for our Instagram account because it's uh, it's a great please, please great do. piece piece of product placement. Moving on, uh, just wanted to talk about on-field microphones. I've been disturbed a bit with these no crowds at games that the on-field microphones you, they're picking up more. That's not the disturbing bit because I actually don't mind that hearing what's going on in the field. But what I'm getting a bit annoyed at is people complaining about players um, being unfiltered in their language when we can hear what's going on on the field of play. And I take the view that that's their sacred ground, as it were. That's uh, that, that's that's the heat of battle, and uh, you're going to get a bit of language. And if you want to be that intrusive on the field, you got to cop it. Otherwise, and don't complain. Yep, I I, I like I like the uh, little indiscretions. <laughs> and again, coming back to the. The golf, where swearing is not common, but one one player hit a particularly bad shot. Who was it? Uh, Thomas Peters, the right. the Belgian player, and dropped a fairly you know very audible f bomb. <laughs> the commentators, <laughs> apologies for the language. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah, look, I think that this is it's good to see, right? Or well, good to hear, if you like. You know, we've got too many players that aren't allowed to say what they're thinking in press conferences, so it's good to actually hear their character out in the in the real world, in the wild. Totally. And don't complain about it. Those that if you're not if you're listening to it, and uh, that's just too bad. It's the way it is. Uh, we need to move on. Uh, Hawkeye is taking over the line calls at the upcoming U.S. Open for all but courts one and two, uh, which presents its own questions. Uh, but let's not uh, go down that rabbit hole just yet. Um, but interesting that technology is taking over, and interesting that it's done under the cover of COVID. So I am pro the technology. I'm wary of it being done uh, with COVID as an excuse. We're going to see a lot of this if we aren't already starting to of 
both on both sport and outside of sport, where COVID is the excuse and you on, can't argue. On the basis of not having the economics to afford to have the umpires there? Less or people less on, people in the venue, the better. Yeah, right. less people, the better. Yeah, okay. I well, don't really have a problem with that, though. I mean, it's it's a better way of making making the decision. So, you know, my only question when I read that was, um, you know, why why wouldn't you do it for the, for the centre courts as well or the... What do they call them? The stage courts? Uh, yeah. But baseball have done something similar. So I don't know if it's COVID related, but they've instituted uh, this thing called Trackman. So it's similar to with cricket, um, Hawkeye's technology. So uh, they've only trialled it in a couple of non-major um, league games. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that plays out as well. Well, it's kind of pointless because baseball doesn't have a bubble and they're getting infections all over the place. So uh, that's, that's thanks for that, guys. Bubble free. No point. Yeah, exactly. Although, I mean, the strike zone is such an ambiguous thing. So it, it probably does make sense. True, true. How how would John McEnroe cope <laughs> at the US Open? That's what I want to know. I want I want the programmer out here right now. Yeah, it's clearly skewing two inches to the right. Yeah. Anyway, did you like Reggie mm-hmm. that the in, in addition to making the call, there's actually um, audio built into the Hawkeye program as well. So when the ball mm-hmm. goes out, the machine goes out, <laughs> <laughs> which I quite liked. Finally, in the shootout, I want to talk about the Indigenous round of the AFL, which happened recently, and the lack of the Aboriginal flag. That's usually usually have the centre bounce, centre circle with the black, yellow, and red. Uh, looks pretty fantastic. It's hard to miss. Uh, didn't have it this year because apparently that symbol, that flag, is copyrighted, if that's a word, and um, it would have involved paying money to somebody to use that. What I would have thought a very universal symbol. I cannot believe it's not available to use free. Yeah, so I, I'm ashamed to admit I didn't know a lot about this, so I had to have a, a, a read of it. So the Aboriginal flag uh, was designed by an Aboriginal artist um, named Harold Thomas. Uh, this was some time ago, and so he then applied for copyright in the design of the flag, and he was given copyright quite some time ago. And it was only in the, I think, the 90s that the Aboriginal flag was officially recognised, so that was during the Keating era, um, and it was really... I think it, the federal court confirmed that copyright existed in that flag shortly after that, in about 1997. What then happens is if people want to use that flag, they have to get a license to use it. Mr. Thomas usually will give a license for most people to use it. But if you want to use it for clothing or to use the flag on clothing, then the, a company has actually bought the rights mm. um, to effectively license that, uh, let that out. And this company, I think it's called Wham Clothing, has come out over the past year or so and said that they're not going to license it to the sporting uh, fraternities, so the NRL and the AFL in particular, unless they pay a pretty large sum. So they have to go in and negotiate a, a license agreement. And for whatever reason, I think last year the AFL agreed and they might have paid some money. I'm not sure mm, what happened last year, but yeah. this year the AFL have said, no, we're not going to pay on, on grounds of principle. I think some press have come out and said they're just being cheap and they should have paid for it. But yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting one as to, to what happened. So I think... There's public policy grounds there in that um, the Copyright Council are saying, um, you know, the government should step in and basically pay Mr Thomas a sum to ensure that he's properly recompensed for um, for the design of the flag, but ultimately it should belong to the Aboriginal community. But it's a, it's a difficult one. Like the Australian flag does, which, you know, conceptually would be eligible for copyright as well, but through some or other mm. piece of legislation, it is available for general use, but subject to protocols and procedures. So there's a particular way, if you want to represent the Australian flag in a product or whatever it is, mm. that you you know you, you need to follow follow the guidelines. Mm. There you go. Bit of a legal lecture for you there, oh, Reggie. I learned something today, but I'm not happy about the circumstance where we can't use that symbol freely. 
Uh, so let's now move on to red card, yellow card. And uh, Jono, I know you're uh, you, you need to go into the showers a bit early, so uh, let's <laughs> let's lead off with yourself. What have you got for us in red card, yellow card? AFL the, uh, this month, Rochi. So Richmond player Trent Cotchin, unfortunately his wife Brooke managed to have a biosecurity mm. uh, breach, which was terrible. They were all up in uh, Queensland somewhere, I think. And Brooke decided that she couldn't survive without a visit to a day spa. Not only could she not survive without that visit, she couldn't survive without posting <laughs> that visit to her many thousand followers, followers on Instagram. Uh, I think the caption. Are we going to set up a wag watch? Uh, I think now we now we're on Insta. What do you mean set up? I, <laughs> <laughs> I think the caption said. The most incredible experience today. My skin was in desperate need of some love. I knew I was in the right place as soon as I walked through the doors of oh insert name of yeah, uh, place. Don't. So poor old Trent got himself into trouble there, and uh, I think Richmond were fined uh, in the tens of thousands yeah, of dollars. She did, he did, they did, and an AFL media person got in trouble for re-reporting that incident ah, as yes, well. Remember, indeed, so he got yeah. stood down from something temporarily uh, with a hue and cry. Yellow card. Uh, yeah, well, yellow and black. Indeed. <laughs> uh, Oh. You gonna stick around, Jono? Or I'm up, Bob. Yeah, okay, sure. All right. Well, uh, so it, and it's goodbye to Simon Johnson. <laughs> See you, Richie. <laughs> Enjoy that early shower, mate. You've done a very good job. Uh, Rolls, over to you. What about a red card, yellow card from yourself? Now, the irony of uh, Simon uh, putting the AFL up. I'm going to put the NRL up at uh, and and it's going to be Alfie Langer, and it's going to involve that uh, Crucible of sporting prowess the Caxton oh, Hotel nice, nice. Uh, <laughs> what, are they, what are they done so look I mean the interesting thing about this well yeah Alfie it appears allegedly and a couple of others were there celebrating his birthday and again allegedly the uh, the hotel's accused of switching off the CCTV <laughs> cameras <laughs> So I tell you what, I tell you what, I, I, I'm, I think it's a yellow card, but I, I'm so tempted to give Alfie a gold star for, uh, for, for, for using that Steve. influence. No, inappropriately, yellow card I'm nominating yeah, for. Yeah, Steve, this segment's called red card, yellow card. That's the second time in two shows you've attempted to give someone a gold star. Please cease and desist. <laughs> That's got copyright on it, that gold star, and it's not for you to use without paying a fee to somebody. Um, Gilly, what about yourself? I um I see Stephen's NRL and I Shapers. raise that with the English Premier League, the EPL, where Entire everything sports being nominated. No, 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 no. Oh, just okay. a few extra dollars associated with these indiscretions. And you you passed me an uh, indiscretion involving Paul Scholes, mm. ex-Man United star, mm. and organising a twenty-first party for his daughter in, in breach of social isolation rules in Northern England, which is pretty good. But I just thought to myself. There's got to be something better in the English Premier League than this. And I thought it won't take me long to find Let something. Let me guess. You found something? It took me about 15 seconds <laughs> and I came across some antics um, from Man United's current captain, um, Harry Maguire, who with a group of his mates in Mykonos, which apparently is now the destination of choice for off-season partying for uh -huh. overpaid footballers. Yeah, yeah. They managed to run up a bar tab in five hours of $115,000. Um, included wow. two bottles of champagne, one for 32960 wow. uh, one for 31069 Very many um, other things, including three bottles of Jack Daniels, which I thought kind of brought the tone down <laughs> a little bit. Maybe some Love Shack vodka? But <laughs> I'm not sure about that. 
but you know nothing nothing wrong there but things escalated uh, <laughs> after they left their three thousand six hundred and fifty five dollar sunbird they went they went then went on to a private party went back to the same club the next day ended up getting arrested and then allegedly allegedly i stress um, managed to avoid any sterner repercussions by allegedly mm. paying a bribe oh. i think it's a red given that he plays for manchester United. oh of course that's fantastic great work uh and look, look i want to tee off with a very quick rant before actually getting into my red card yellow card nomination proper um watch this watch the swannies play a game a couple of weeks ago the the young fella the six-year-old bit too late at night for him wanted me to record it which of course i dutifully did and i thought well hang on a sec straight after this there's a full replay of the match so rather than record the live version have to come in and fast forward through the breaks i'll record the uh, you know the hour and a half whatever it is condensed version makes sense record that next morning 7 30 in the morning dad dad watch footy yep sure radio right turn it on go to the little menu in the fox sports go to the right one the the replay immediately following the broad live broadcast hit play and it catches the last 30 seconds of the live broadcast with the score the final score up in the top left corner of the screen what's the point of that Fox Sports, get your act together. Red card. Uh, but look... Uh, so you're giving yourself a red card, I reckon. Yeah, I, I realised I was putting myself up in the frame for that. Yep, fair call. Uh, but but uh, as to my nomination, if you've been with us from day dot of our for and against journey, uh, love a good journey, you'll know that uh, until legal shut it down, red card, yellow card was actually known as the Mason Favola Awards. Uh, in recognition of the sterling work that both Millie, Willie Mason and Brendan Favola did on the field, uh, or at least in the off-field, indiscretion caper. I'm disappointed Jono has left us because he would have really liked this, because I've got good news. Willie is back. And uh, in no less salubrious circumstances than the Supreme Court of New South Wales. Now, get this, a former associate of Willie Mason has blamed partying with the ex-NRL star for his financial services company going under. <laughs> And in doing so, took Mason's life savings of half a million dollars with it. Maybe less laughing at that. Uh, documents lodged with the New South Wales Supreme Court, uh, where the former New South Wales state of origin, Aussie of a star, obviously, is taking on this man who he once described as a really good friend and mentor. He's seeking almost a mill. This is Mason seeking almost a mill off Paul and John Hanna, claiming he's in breach of contract uh, and there's misleading and deceptive conduct that induced him to pour cash into uh, Hanna's company, Fairchild Property, uh, property investment company, in their response to Hannah's alleged the ex-footballers partying precipitated the downfall of the company. This re- quote, this regular partying was aided and abetted by Mason and caused the Hannahs in their capacity, well, John Hannah in his capacity as sole director of Fairchild, the investment property company, to not properly manage the company and this resulted in the mismanagement of Fairchild, the property investment company. So how's that? How's that for defence? We partied too hard. And it was his the, fault. The... <laughs> <laughs> That's a gem. So I don't know where you put cards there, but there's 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 cards all over the place. But I, I let's got to give a yellow to Willie just for a reappearance, and possibly a red to the uh, the other side of the the, the proceedings there. Fantastic. Uh, and folks, that brings the, us to the end of Red Card, Yellow Card, and therefore to the end of the show. Uh, thanks for joining us. We've said our goodbyes to, to Jono, who's no doubt uh, now dowsing himself in the uh, Beckham body wash at the moment, having uh, completed his shower. Uh, goodbye to you, Stephen O'Reilly. See you, everybody. I hope that our uh, we haven't popped anyone's bubbles today. Uh, yes, very good. And David Gill, see you later. See you later. I'm going home to watch a replay of last weekend's Formula One race. Can't wait. <laughs> 
<laughs> goodbye from me, Paul Roach. Don't forget us on the socials at For and Against. Uh, we look forward to seeing you next time. It's bye for now.